Welcome to Crime Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Felicia Searcy. Felicia's purpose is her passion, to empower you to discover and express your best self as you live the life you love. She's an award-winning transformational coach, international speaker, author, and minister who's helped thousands create a path for living their dream life. For over 20 years, Felicia has worked with people from all walks of life who are seeking the spiritual side of success. As a highly sought-after international speaker, she shared the stage with powerhouse leaders like international speaker Mary Morrissey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network, Sandra Yancey, and international motivational speaker Les Brown. Felicia's proven dream activation code helps folks just like you accelerate your results as you create a richer, more meaningful life. So how do you go from having such a deep sense of unworthiness that you do all you can to make yourself invisible to having the courage and vulnerability to get so real with yourself that you become healed, loving, and strong? My next guest, Felicia, will be sharing her journey, and I hope it inspires you to realize that you're so much bigger than what happened to you. Here's Felicia. Okay, everybody, I have Felicia Searcy with us today. And, you know, betrayal can really shatter us physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And I brought Felicia on because she's going to be talking about how we're bigger than what happened to us. And she'll describe that and so much more. So welcome, Felicia. Hey, Debbie, Dr. Debbie, really great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you. So let's start with, let's start with your own experience. What yeah. would even, yeah, because for, for us to be talking about you, you're bigger than your experience. Well, how did you come to that? It had to start somewhere. Yeah. So for me, it started from the moment I entered in that I entered into um, a very um, dysfunctional, painful family. You know, we talk about betrayal, um, you know, the, the betrayal of my parents inability to show up that lots of addiction, just um, a tremendous amount of abuse, you know, and what I can say now is that I understand that they were truly doing the best that they could and they couldn't have done anything different. But at the time, it was that feeling of, you know, what did I do wrong? Or was there something wrong with me? Or, and then it flipped to, you know, there was a period of time that, oh my God, why do you even bother becoming parents if you were just so inept at it? And what it did was that it, it, it gave me a, a perspective of the world that number one, that the world was not safe, that my household was not safe, that I, I literally had to learn how to stay below the radar and to be, stay super tuned in to um, the temperature of the room because there were times when my life literally depended on it um, because of the amount of violence that was in our household. Um, and so it, it got wired into me that uh, the world was a really scary place and don't ask for too much because if you do, you put your life in danger and make sure that you're, you know, really paying attention to what other people's needs, even at particularly at the mercy of your own. And then just that deep soul sense of unworthiness and undeserving that somehow I did something to deserve this. And, and it's like there was this black spot on my soul that number one, I couldn't figure out how it got there. And no matter what I did, I was never going to be able to rub it away. And I just I just walked through life um, um, invisible, like hugging the walls. Um, 
just painful. And I, I just, I'll never forget, I was teaching school and I was doing hall duty. I was teaching at a high school and there was this long main hall and I was 22, right? So I was really, really um, very young, much younger than I am now. But there was just this long expanse of a hall and all these kids walking up and down the hall and I was barely older than them. And I remember looking down that hall and just thinking that, oh my God, it's like a metaphor. This is my life. Is this my life for the rest of my life? And I can literally remember standing in the middle of that hall, just like my breath got knocked out of me. And there was just this wave of despair that overcame me. And I was like, I, I'm not going to accept this. There's got to be a different way that I, so. Anyway. Yeah. So, and before we get to that, I, I, I just want to dive into this a little bit, because if if that's how you felt, those were the, you know, that was the reality of your experience. What, you know, and you said kind of the meaning that you made of it, you, you, you felt that you, the sense of unworthiness and you tried to make yourself invisible. And how did it show up, though? How did it show up when you were in other yeah. relationships with friends as, you know, as a young kid? Well, so there's there's an image that just. So there's a couple of ways that it showed up. One of them, um, when I was a senior in high school, I, I moved and, uh, you know, almost like to a completely different culture. I grew up in Wisconsin, moved to South Louisiana, and I went to a high school, same high school I was teaching at, uh, senior year. And, and so I didn't know anybody, right? So what I would do is that I would get a lunch tray and there would be a group of kids sitting at a table and there would be one empty chair at that table and I would go sit at that at that table and not saying a single word and all this conversation was going on above me it's like I wasn't even there I just completely disappeared yeah. then there was um and, and I, you know it's like and and school is hard enough I mean that's yeah. the thing and it's like that is just the absolute perfect place where we feel so so uncomfortable, so not accepted and all of that. And, but did you, did you see the other kids kind of acting differently or having more confidence or showing up in a different way? And so checked out Dr. Debbie, that it just, I didn't even have the bandwidth to pay attention to what was going on with other people. And then when I was in college and we would go out, you know, we'd go out and I'd go out to a bar. I'll never forget this. I can remember if I sat next to a guy it's like, I would feel like I had to apologize to him for sitting next to him in case people thought that he was with me. And it's like, I wanted to say to people, hey, he's not with me. So, it, you know, so again, it was just that, that just deep sense of unworth. I dated a guy who would only um, uh, go out with me. First of all, he was dating somebody else. And then he would only, he'd call me like at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night because he didn't want to be seen out in public with me. Now, oh, wow. I was like this, and I did that, right? I thought, all right, this is, this is how I can get affection. So, you know, I became remarkably depressed, suicidal, you know, and the only thing I think that kept me from really committing suicide was the fact that I grew up in a religious tradition where it was a mortal sin and I didn't I had this crazy thing that I didn't want to be buried outside of the cemetery mm -hmm. uh, you know, they don't let you in the cemetery kind of thing so it just it was just this deep desperation just yeah. you know, just like erase me I and it, it wasn't 
that I didn't want to go on. I just, it's like I felt erased, that I was so erased in my household, so betrayed, you know, in terms of betrayed and who I was, that I betrayed myself. It's like I just erased myself. And did you have it? Did you have other, other siblings? Uh, four. And were, was their experience similar to yours or completely well, different? They, they um, again, it was just remarkably dysfunctional. Lots of addiction in my siblings and, you know, lots of violence and dysfunction there and arrests and. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So clearly you knew this. At, at what point did you, did you realize that's not healthy, you know, normal or in in my best interest to be a part of well it just you know it's it's interesting that when there's that that state of readiness and i i'm i i and you probably can speak better to this than i can you know how do you prepare somebody for that moment of openness it's like you crack the door open right and and you become accessible to something different and i think that there was um there was there was a confluence of things that happened first of all um, we identified that there was, you know, um, alcoholism and drug addiction, um, that, you know, we had a name for it and, and people began to get help. Um, and again, it's that kind of odd thing of, you know, what was the thing that triggered that? But when, when I allowed myself that moment, and I really believe that it was a pivotal moment standing there in that hall in that high school, it's the same high school that I, uh, you know, hid at the table, right? Which is kind of wild to go back and uh, show up differently. But that that moment where, and hopefully your listeners are aware of that moment when you open your heart and you become accessible because it requires a tremendous amount of courage mm -hmm. and vulnerability just to allow yourself to be accessible to something different. It's right? terrifying, sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You become so adept at functioning the way that you've done because that's what you believe the world is right and it's almost like you have to be so disconnected in order to just keep that going okay so so here you are you're you're standing in the in the school you look at this hallway and typically i see it where you know it's that profound moment it could just be a realization or it could be when we just hit rock bottom i mean either way they they serve the same purpose where it gives us that perspective of you know, wow, there's got to be something better than this. And it, it can't get worse. It's got to only get better. And I see things that I've never seen before. So what was it for you? You were looking down this hallway and what happened? Well, it just, this, this, this thought, this image of, you know, this reverberation of, you know, a lifetime of being alone and being depressed and unhappy and poor and, you know, all of those things, it's just like, ugh why bother you know so it was that kind of and it wasn't like a suicidal you know oh my god i can't go on kind of thing but it really was if this is life i don't want it mm. i don't want anything to do with this and then the next thought was all right so we got to come up with something different see and that's that's the difference right there because i mean think of how many people are just so stuck they don't even know there's another option so they're yeah. resigning themselves to thinking well this is as good as it gets i better get used to it and and that's typically where we you know we numb avoid distract ourselves because we we just we're not happy here but we don't know there's anything better and then there are the other ones who say okay this clearly is awful and 
now's my now's my opportunity. I don't know well, what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to feel like, but it's got to be better. Well, but here's the gift, you know, the gift of, of amazing people like you who offer this kind of service where it's in the background, right? So somebody's searching online or they're flipping through podcasts and they just happen to press on yours, right? They just happen to hit play. And then all of a sudden they're hearing things. And, and we, we live in the world today where there's so much more of that, where it can start working its way into, you know, the, um, our, our psyche, where all of a sudden you're in that moment of openness and accessibility. And there's something that can come forward, right? And it's like, and you can latch onto that, you know, there's hope, right? That there's some hope. And so they, they're listening to this amazing podcast and they're listening to you and all these stories, you know, of, of people who have made made it through betrayal and they can latch on to that. Like well, and I, I hear what you're saying. And I also think it's their state of readiness, right? Because yeah. when, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And it's so true because they could have heard those same stories a million other times, but they weren't ready. And, and maybe if you take a look at your journey, you would have, you just wouldn't have resonated with any of those stories, or maybe they would have felt so out of reach it's like, you know, you couldn't possibly, uh, you know, imagine that you could pull yourself out of a scenario like what you'd been, you know, what you could have been hearing. So what made it different then? Like what made you say, wow, you know what, this is awful, but now is time for something different. Just a sense, a feeling. Yeah, I think I just hit the wall and said, but, um, you know, that there have been things that have been dropping in. You know, and I, and I think that, you know, that ready, when you're talking about that readiness is that it, it, it prepares the field, right? That, um, and, and I think I just, I, 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 I knew I had to make a different choice. And I, um, it'd be, it'd be wonderful to figure out what, what is that trigger, right? What, what is that special something in the moment and how do you help people access that and cultivate that? So they do then um, step into a place where they're, they're ready and now they move from being ready to now seeking for yeah. looking. Right. So then, okay. So then you had that awakening, that readiness, whatever it is, which I'd love, you're so right. I would love to, could you imagine if that was a pill? <laughs> How many of those would be sold? Right. So, okay. So you're ready. What happened after that? What'd you do? Well, so what's interesting is that I, I didn't like consciously seek anything out, but things started coming to me, mm -hmm. right. That I, I started becoming aware of, um, different, um, philosophies, different sets of principles. Um, I um, heard uh, uh, a teacher um, discovered a, a spiritual movement that um, taught uh, what many people refer to as universal law, mm -hmm. which, you know, helped me discover um, that I really do have the power to, to transform and transcend what had happened to me in the past that I began to discover that there really is this power moving through me that's bigger than anything that's happened in my world. And, you know, did lots of study, did, um, um, uh, you know, lots of digging in and 
and, and I always want to get into the minds of my listeners, my, my viewers, because they're like, okay, so what study, what books, what, what yeah. leaders, because there's, everybody seems to have like that one book, that one thought leader, that one seminar, that one principle or something where they said, oh, wow, it's like a whole world opened. Was there one uh, book or was it, what was, what was the first one? Or what was the one that, the first one that had an impact on you? Tell us wow. some of the, some of the, yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting question because for one thing, it's been like a whole bunch of decades ago. Um, I think the thing that really broke it open for me was um, when my family started going through treatment um, for alcoholism and drug addiction. And I found a 12 step program for family members of alcoholics. Um, and I discovered the 12 steps, right? And within the 12 steps, I discovered that I had the ability to develop a relationship, you know, in that language, it's called a higher power, that I had the ability to develop a relationship with a higher power that fed me, that I didn't, I wasn't accepting something that somebody else said. And then from there, it led me to people like Wayne Dyer and Louise. Hay. I think Louise Hay was probably one of the first people that I discovered. You know, I discovered- It's so interesting because so many people like Louise, that was the what the mirror, you know, the mirror yeah. work and and yeah. some of her some of her work or Wayne John Dyer. Bradshaw yeah. was another yeah. big, John Bradshaw. This was back in the early eighties. You know, then I discovered the unity movement, the new thought movement, mm -hmm. dove deep into that and actually spent 12 years in an ordination process and became an ordained minister where I now, you know, and, uh, you know, build out now have a business that I've built out and teaching universal law, which is, you know, really understanding our capacity that we all have to create and our, 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 our capacity to move beyond anything that's happened for us and really utilize this amazing faculty of our imagination and put it in service to a life that we love. And even just in that right there, because that's, that's the difference where we, you know, we feel so helpless, like we're at the mercy of however we're being treated or what's being sort of the hand we've been dealt to just taking ownership and becoming proactive and creating something we realize like it's about us and we have the ability to create right there that is the biggest game changer that's it dr debbie and and you know one of the things that i really came to realize is that um this is my this is my fundamental purpose is to help people wake up to just how amazing brilliant magnificent if i grew up with the cleavers all right so showing my age there right or the brady bunch you know for me it was the brady bunch I would not have the capabilities that I have today. Growing up in that household honed me, number one, to pay super close attention to what's happening with other people. And that to be able, and as you, right, to be able to stand with unwavering conviction with somebody say, I get what you came from was remarkably painful. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, th that the, the, the betrayal runs so deep. And I stand with you knowing that you are more than that. And sometimes just, you know, you say, you know, what's the brass, um, the brass tax? What's, what's the tool to be able to take? And something just as simple as just standing and feeling your feet and, and being aware of where you are, you know, sometimes, you know, stuff still gets triggered, right? I mean, it gets so wired in and just to be able to stand and look around and, and look to see where my feet are in the moment. And to breathe and to own and know in this moment, I am more than that. 
And it will never happen to me again. This will never happen to me again. And that's such an empowered feeling. And, and I have to tell you, you know, seeing people who really go through the darkest, most upsetting times are truly the most joyful. And I believe it's because they have the gift of perspective where someone like, let's say we're talking about the Brady Bunch, you know, I mean, who knows when you watch the show, it seems like they're all kind of okay. And there's, there's not that they're, they're kind of in the middle there. Not so good, not so bad, you know, and there's really not as, as much of an opportunity for that perspective as the ones who get hit really hard. But because of that, they could swing so far the other way because yeah. they, they have the greatest incentive and motivation to do so. Uh, and, but when they do, I mean, look at the, look at the clarity. They could just look back at the path. Like you can look back at your path and say, I know what darkness feels like. I know what pain feels like. I know what trauma feels like. This feels a heck of a lot better. Yeah. And that to recognize and regardless of what level, right. That, um, to recognize that you have everything required, not only to overcome it, but to transmute it and fundamentally transform your life, that it's all right here and right here. And, and when we, when we understand that and understand that, you know, we've been given this capability by this life force energy that wove us into existence. Um, it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing that can take you out. So what's the difference then in, in let's say an experience that would happen now and how you would interpret it compared to take okay. the old, yeah, take that, that younger version of you. What's the difference? What do you see? Well, so, so of course, you know, life, right. And what's interesting is that there's oftentimes there can be a pattern so I can look in my life and, you know, oftentimes when you talk about betrayal, um, there's, for me, there's a sensitivity in terms of the person who quote betrayed me mm -hmm. to want to, um, uh, share it in a way that honors them, right? To maintain anonymity and that sort of thing. But, you know, um, even when I look at my marriage, um, and my husband and I've been together for 34 years, that he became critically, critically ill, um, that he became very depressed and, um, you know, he struggled. I mean, he scary struggled. Um, and so it, um, became up to me to run things and make sure that he was going to stay alive and make sure that he got the medical care taken care of and not knowing if he was going to make it or not. Um, and, and I remember, I remember going through that. Number one, the difference is that my capacity to generate compassion, my ability to have compassion in, in the face of his suffering, Number two, to recognize what I needed to do to take care of myself. And number three, the ability to lean into it and recognize it's here, right? You know, um, I love um, St. John of the Cross, um, where he uh, talked about that when the dark night of the soul comes, there's three responses. You know, number one, you just want it to go away. You want to do anything to make it go away. Number two, you reach a point where you just surrender. You know, it's like, okay. That's it. It's here. Number three is that you don't want it to go to go away too quickly because you want to gain everything it came to give you. And I remember in the, in the thick of it that, um, um, there was this moment when I, I made a conscious decision that I was going to lean into this, this 
event, this experience in a way that it was going to transform me at depth, that this was going to be the thing to transform me at depth. I didn't know if he was going to make it or not. I was working really hard, but I, I knew for me, I made the conscious decision that this was going to be the thing to transform me at depth. There's the difference. And, and that's so important that you said that right there. And, and even in the study that I did about betrayal, you know, it was, there were three groups who did not heal. And it was the, those who put their head down and said, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm just not picking my head up until I am through the other side of this. Those are the ones who healed. And it sounds like the same type of experience where they weren't numbing, avoiding, distracting. They weren't, they weren't trying to act like it didn't happen. They weren't just trying to, you know, wish it away. They were actively using the opportunity to say, okay, here's where I'm going to create an entirely new identity. I'll take the parts yeah. I like, I'm going to leave behind what I don't like, and I'm going to get through this no matter what. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, really honoring the human experience. You don't want to do a spiritual bypass with mm -hmm. it, right? but, mm -hmm. but there's um, understanding that there's purpose to the emotion and allowing, like you're saying, the, um, the, the experience to redefine, um, restructure, reorganize you in order for you to now um, harness. I was thinking about that this morning coming on um, knowing that I was coming on to do this, you know, the power of being able to harness that and then put it in service mm -hmm. to something more expansive, something good contribution and, and, and to give yourself, um, permission to utilize our capacity to vision, right. And harness everything that happened and put it in service into a, our, our ability to vision and building out a life that you love because that's our highest contribution. When we harness everything that happened for us and we transmute it into, you know, first forgiveness and then deep compassion where forgiveness isn't even necessary any mm -hmm, longer. Mm -hmm. And then and then take it and and put it in service to that which brings us most alive, that's when we're contributing at the highest. Yeah. And if people are listening to you, Dr. Debbie, they want that, right? Yeah. They're for a way to do that. And I say that's when it's trauma well served. So you you, yeah. you mentioned spiritual bypass. I just want to make sure you explain that for, for those who may not be familiar with that term. Yeah. So a lot of times people, so a lot of times people have a, have a conceptual um, sense of, um, you know, it's all happening for my good or I should forgive, you know, it's, um, people are well versed. Mm -hmm. And what they do is that they conceptualize it and then they um, they deny and bury the human experience. And so you do a spiritual bypass when you think that you should be holy and noble. Well, it, it, what I invite you to do is that, yes, you want to stay spiritually connected, but don't deny the human experience. Don't deny the human feelings. There's sadness. There's anger. My God, when I was driving away from psychiatric hospitals, because once again, you know, I had, um, you know, my husband, um, was, uh, you know, he was in danger, uh, his life was in danger in terms of, you know, what he would do to himself. Um, you better believe I was angry. 
mm-hmm. and sad and scared and yeah. screaming in my car and calling people. But I would make sure I surrounded myself with people who could hold me compassionately, but not walk down that rabbit hole of despair with me. Right. So it's it's really right. Because then if they're down that rabbit hole of despair, you're, you're not getting the help that you need. That's right. but, but it's really about being being real. I mean, it's it's we have a saying in our community, face it, feel it, heal it. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Well, that number one, that there is that in you that's bigger than anything that ever happened for you. And that there is this amazing, brilliant life waiting out on the other side. And that when you access your capacity to truly start dreaming a different possibility for yourself and you harness everything that happened to you and put it in service to that, boy, howdy, look out, look out what's going to happen for you. It's so true. And anybody I know, I mean, when you think of any thought leader, that's the road they've traveled. It was their mess turned into message, their trauma turned into transformation. And it's almost like an obligation. How can you go through such a dark time, learn from it and not share it with others? I mean, that's like a crisis. Yeah, it's the hero's journey, right? We go out, we gain, we come back into our community and share it. Absolutely. So Felicia, where does everybody go to learn more about you and the uh, wonderful work you do? So you can just go to my website, FeliciaCircy.com, and there's just a whole bunch of stuff on there that you can access and, uh, yeah, dig around. Okay. You know what, Felicia, I want to thank you so much because there are so many people who struggle. They're right in the middle of it, thinking that, you know, they're just getting consumed by it. And um, you're another example of someone who just moved through it and because of it has just such a wonderful message to share. And I just want everybody to know um, you're bigger than you're bigger than what happened to you. You're bigger than you think you're stronger than you think. Breathing that in. I am more than this, that there is that in me that is bigger than anything that's ever happened to me. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Debbie. I'm always so impressed with people who've taken their biggest crisis and turned it into their greatest gift. And that's exactly what Felicia did. Because of her upbringing, she could have stayed with the belief that she's unworthy, unlovable, not enough, and all of those other negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions. But when she had enough of it, that's when the most beautiful transformations happen. Stay in touch with Felicia by going to FeliciaSearcy.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. One perspective on creating transformation. One, increasing your capacity to generate compassion, especially when it's not easy. Two, self-care. Three, lean into hard times. Also, when you're faced with that dark night of the soul, you either one, want it to go away, two, surrender, three, want to gain everything it came to give you. When you do that, that's when you turn your trauma into transformation, serve at the highest level, and benefit others because of your experience. And going through all that can leave you with symptoms in its wake. So be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. 
community support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best, and it's all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.